The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Pleasant good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Good to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we kick back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds heading into tonight's action. And in order to do that, let's bring in our resident Reds expert, Mr. Blake Watson. Blake, how are you this evening? I just, you know, getting through it as always. You know how it is for me this time of year, Dave. <laughs> You're having a good time this time of year, aren't you? Yeah, it's getting a little bit crazy right now, especially because I've taken on a little more responsibility as far as taking pictures and stuff at the mountain, doing our uh, team photos and all that stuff, stuff I didn't do in the past and trying to fit those into my already relatively busy schedule. Um, it's been kind of difficult, so... Well, you know, they always say the talent does rise to the top. Well, I, I'm waiting for mine to start rising now. <laughs> well, there was a big thing going on earlier today with the Reds. Uh, Jesse Winker has been put on the IR, and Jose Barrero has been brought up to the Reds. A rather interesting transaction. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't understand why he's the one that was brought up. Um, now, I think Jose Barrero should be on this team. Um, and I'm at the point now where as much as Kyle Farmer's done real-life yeoman's work at shortstop, during the month of July, he was one of the best offensive players in the National League. Um, he's been the only defensive shortstop the Reds have had all year. Um, I honestly believe it's time to give Jose Barrero that job and just, just move on. Um, just throw him out there. Let him figure out how to hit at the big league level. You're, you got enough offense on this team, um, when healthy, obviously, to, to be okay with a guy that doesn't hit much. He's starting to show some flashes and some serious pop at the AAA level. Um, and he's legit defensively. I mean, he is a legitimate glove guy. Um, you know, right away he'll be one of the, he'll be the, in the upper half of defensive shortstops in baseball. Um, so I think, you know, the way the club's currently constructed, you know, if you stay healthy, obviously got to get Winker back quickly, but if you stay healthy, I think Barrero should be the guy at shortstop. Do you put that on the kid's shoulders, bringing him up and making him the full-time shortstop when the team is in the middle of a playoff chase? I mean, I can see why you wouldn't. But you put it on the kid. I mean, if you put it, bring him up and put him at shortstop, he's going to bat seventh or eighth almost every game. You're not asking him to do much offensively to help you win. Anything he does is a plus. Basically, you're asking him to come up and pick it. Um, and I think that kid has been picking it his entire life, and he will be fine. I mean, they did it to him last year in the middle of that run where they were trying to get back into it. He was their shortstop, um, and he never hit. But he had never hit the well, as well as he's hitting right now in the minors before. So, you know, he was a year away last year. He's definitely shown that promise this year. Um, 
I don't know that I just stick him out there every game and let him play, but he, if it's me, he did not get called up to not play. It's, it's really similar to the way when they brought up Alejo Lopez early in the year, and they were still scuffling at the time. Um, I don't understand why the kid didn't play more. Like, you brought him up to play when he did play, played well, and then you just don't play him. I just don't understand. That's why I was surprised to see it be another infielder, because you're trying really hard to get all those infielders at bats now and can't do it. Um, you know, or they're trying too hard to get Suarez at bat still. Mustakas really needs to be in the lineup every game when there's not a, a lefty on the mound. Um, I just don't know why you bring up Barrero when you need an outfielder. Who did they put on the roster yesterday uh, when they DFA'd Mike Freeman? So they DFA'd Mike Freeman to bring Nick Senzel off the 60-day disabled That's- list. So they could send Nixon, but they optioned Nixon's L to AAA. Yes. Not a rehab assignment. He's optioned to AAA at this point. That, that was an interesting move. Uh, especially if you had to have some inclination that Winker was going to get, was going to be put on the IL. For sure. I don't understand why after that move with Winker, why Senzel wasn't the guy brought back. Um, because he can play outfield. I mean, if, if you bring up Senzel right now, you just put him in center field, and then you flat platoon Akiyama, uh, Naquin, and um, Aquino in left. Whoever, you know, plays, should whatever, that's fine. Um, until Winker gets back. That's what I would have done, um, just because you need a guy that can play outfield. Of those, all those infield guys, none of them have ever played outfield. Um, I, you know, Moustakis can't play outfield. Suarez can't play outfield. India could. I'd be, he's a very good athlete. He could play outfield. He's never done it. Herrero's never played outfield, and neither has Kyle Farmer. Um, so I, I don't understand the, 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 the thought process. If one of those guys, you know, take Kyle Farmer, for instance, was a guy who had played some corner outfield in the past. Okay, I kind of get it. But with him, you know, they're, they're now left with four Four outfielders, and three of them haven't hit in a while. I mean, Naquin's had a couple of good games lately. Aquino is like two for his last 30. Akiyama's starting to hit a little bit, but he, he's just, um, he hasn't figured it out yet. Um, I, I don't understand. You need, you need to get somebody productive in the outfield, not your best minor leaguer. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I was rather confused by that. You know, a couple things really here, Blake, that have got me confused about what the Reds are doing it, it's time now if if you're bringing Barrero up it, and I agree with you you're going to play the kid you're going to play him at shortstop it's time to sit Suarez down and just let him bake on the bench for a little while because Moustakas is going to be your guy at third base you can't fiddly fart around with those two guys anymore you've got to just sit Suarez down and call it a day yeah and I mean if you're going to straight platoon them which I'm okay with for a short period of time um, you know, Suarez play against tougher lefties, and you saw that a lot in the Atlanta series. And anytime you play a team that's got good lefties, it's going to give the Reds trouble. Because you, if you look at their normal everyday eight, probably three of their four best offensive players, um, if you don't count the rookies, are Winker, Votto, and Mustakis. And obviously, a tough lefty is going to give that that lineup trouble. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just I don't understand. What to do with Suarez? I can't decide in my mind what I would do because I am not done with Eugenio Suarez long term in my mind. 
Um, I, I've just seen him be too good at times, and he's still got so much power. Um, you've got to find some at bats for him. The problem is not just the rest of this year. Going forward, what do you do? Because, um, you know, Moustakis is under contract for two more years. Uh, Jonathan India is the second baseman of the Reds for the next 10 years as long as he, as long as he stays with the team. Um, so where does Suarez fit in? I think, you know, you're gonna have, have to move somebody. Um, and, and that might be, you know, Eugenio Suarez in the offseason might find a new home. Um, you know, if Lotto had continued to, on his downward trajectory that he'd been on the last couple of years, then and it's not as big of a deal because, you know, you got Moustakis just slide into first, Suarez goes back to third, and you're fine. But I just don't see where you have enough at-bats for those guys, especially for the Reds in a smaller market, to pay them. I mean, that might be the most expensive platoon in all of baseball with Moustakis and Suarez both making $10-plus million a year to play third base. Uh, it'd be interesting, too, if you get rid of Suarez, you've got more money to give Castellanos. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's something that I, if I'm the Reds, I'm looking, you know, to see what the trade market is for Suarez and or Moustakis. And you move whichever one you can get the most out of. Obviously, you'd rather move Suarez than Moustakis. But that's the thing. If the Reds were to lose Castellanos in the offseason, think about where do they get right-handed production from? They don't have it. I mean, I think India is going to end up not being a leadoff hitter. I think he's going to be a two-hole five-hole kind of guy. He's got enough pop to be more of a middle-of-the-order guy. Um, but they just don't have right-handed production without Nick Castellanos. Um, and even their best, you know, platoon-ish guys are left-handed. You look at uh, Naquin. You look at Akiyama. I mean, there's just no really good right-handed hitter on this team outside of Nick Castellanos. And I guess Tyler Stevenson. Um, but it's just it, it's crazy, man, to think where they're going to be next year how hard it is to find – typically it's really hard to find left-handed bats in the middle of the order. And they can't find right-handed bats in the middle of the order. So I don't know what it's going to be. I, I still don't understand why it is so difficult for Tyler Stevenson to take an outfielder's glove and go play left field. I, I don't get it, Blake, for the life of me. I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I think he probably could. Um I, but I, if you're going to do that, you might as well do it with Suarez. You might as well do it with, uh, and not Moustakis because he runs like a donkey. Um, That's what I mean. But Stevenson's you might as well do it with Farmer. Um, I think you'd be better served doing that with Kyle Farmer than Tyler Stevenson. Because as good as it is to get his bat in the lineup, you will, you don't want him hurt because that is, the Reds have developed one of the best catching tandems in all of baseball. Um, they're both Tucker's obviously great defensively. Stevenson's good defensively. They both are hitting right now. I mean, if you put their numbers together, they're they're an all-star caliber catcher. Um, so I, I don't want to risk getting that kid hurt for sure. But I understand what you're saying about finding a way to get his bat in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, you get you got to get his bat in the lineup every day. As far as the Indians are concerned, right now they sit ten games out of first place behind the Chicago White Sox. They're Two games under 500, but I've got five names to bring to your attention um, for next season: Bieber, Savali, Plezak, Quantrill, and McKenzie. That would be right now their opening day starting rotation for 2022, when the so-called Guardians will hit the field. 
and I can't think of a better starting five rotation in baseball that compares to those five right there, Blake. And I think that is the reason the Indians have not gone wholesale shopping. And they brought up kids, Blake, that I'll tell you one thing. Again, I I, I don't want to go off the deep end on this kid, but Clement hit two home runs against the Tigers on Friday night, his first two in his in his major league career. The kid plays an outstanding defensive game at third base and at second base. I think he's got to be your second baseman heading into next season. And again, he I consistently say this, he is a kid that reminds me a lot of, of Whit Merrifield. And when you look at this Indians lineup that, you know, they should have Naylor coming back to play right field now, depending upon what condition his leg is in. Uh, they may even move him to first base and move Bobby Bradley during the offseason. That's a possibility, depending upon how mobile Josh Naylor is going to be uh, in the outfield or at first base. And the, the Indians have already said, Terry Francona has said several times that Naylor would be the best defensive first baseman in baseball if he played there every day. You've got uh, Jose Ramirez at third base. They've got to find a shortstop. I'm convinced that Andres Jimenez is not the guy, and I'm also convinced by what they did over the weekend, Blake, that the Indians are thinking that he is not their guy at shortstop either. Because out of the two, th- out of the three games that they played against Detroit over the weekend, two of those games Jimenez played second base. Now that tells me that he's not the guy they think is going to be their shortstop. So that's one of their dire needs that they're going to have to fix in the upcoming offseason is the shortstop position. But other than that, I mean, it, <clears throat> I, I hate to say that they're going to trade one of those five pitchers. Um, I don't think they're going to. They've got them all under control for at least the next three years. And these are pitchers. I mean, Tristan McKenzie threw seven and two-thirds of perfect baseball yesterday. Finally gave up a hit with two outs in the eighth inning. And then they took him out. Um, this is this is a team that I think with the pitching staff, the way it's assembled, will be able to contend next year. And, you know, all they need to do is, is get a big bat, and that may be Naylor coming back. Who knows? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Naylor is a good offensive player for sure. He's one of their better. That, that pitching staff has definitely got a chance to be really, really, really good. Um <clears throat> I think they have to do something to find some offense. And we, we've, we've talked quite a bit about the fact that they're not going to go out and spend. So there's only one way to add offense if you're not going to spend, and that's the trade. Um, so the, do you trade from a position of strength to, to strengthen your weaknesses, or do you just try to bolster your strengths and be good enough on the mound to, to get through and, and try to find your way into the playoffs? Because you, you and I both know – that pitching staff, if they get in, is, gives them a chance to win any seven-game series. Yeah. In a seven-game series, are all five of those guys going to start games? No. So, I mean, I, I see both sides of it. I think they absolutely have to find a way to add offense. I don't know if that's a shortstop, great. Um, I think they're pretty well set <clears throat> at center and third. Um, DH, Fran Mills not going anywhere. Um, I just, other than that, I think they could theoretically upgrade everywhere offensively. 
you keep talking about shortstop, and I agree with you completely. And we talk about it, if you talk about it in terms of what, you know, we were just talking about Barrero, they, the Reds don't need him to hit. Well, the Indians need their shortstop to be an offensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, they just don't have a deep enough lineup to be bad at multiple spots. And, and you, the big thing with all these young guys is you just don't know. Like, Clement is really good in spots, but is he a guy that's going to be able to consistently hit over 162? You just don't know. He very well may be, but you don't, it's, it's, it's an unknown commodity. Um, and, and similar to the Reds at the beginning of the year, you had multiple unknown commodities, right? With Jonathan India, with Tyler Stevenson, with all those guys, and they've proven that they are those kind of guys. Um, and, and it very well could happen to the Indians. If those dudes, them young cats take a step forward and and prove that they're legitimate big league hitters over a 162-game season, they will be very competitive next year. If they don't, they won't be, and they won't have the the, 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 the wherewithal to go out and add at the deadline unless they deal from the strength of pitching. Um, so it, it's kind of they're, they're in a weird spot. Because you just don't know what you're going to get out of these young kids going forward. If the Indians were going to trade one of those five, my gut feeling is it would be Plezak. That's 100% who I think it would be, too. Yeah, I I really believe I, that it would be him. I think it's the highest ceiling guy that would bring the most return that's got the name recognition that's not, you know, Bieber. Um, whether he's the best out of that group or not, they're not trading Shane Bieber. That's that's not happening. No. Uh, you're not going to get as much back for Quantrill or McKenzie as you would for Plezak. And honestly, I don't – I mean, Plezak's really good, but I don't know that he's that much better than those dudes that I wouldn't make that move and let those dudes just slide up a spot in the rotation – Find you an innings eater at the bottom of the rotation. A perfect example of a guy that's on a cheap contract, and I always go back to the rest of the team I know the most, but a Wade Miley type, right? Uh A legitimate veteran, old-school guy that can be that kind of anchor at the back end of your rotation that's going to eat innings, that's always going to give you a chance to win, never going to blow anybody away, but every time he takes the ball, you got a shot to win the ball game. And you can get those guys for five, six, seven million dollars for a couple year contract. Um, so you're not spent breaking the bank and you're, you're getting legit proven veterans. Um, and I think if I'm the Indians, I look to trade Plezak and I'm not trade, I don't want to trade him for prospects. I want to trade him to a team for a starting shortstop. Um, even if that starting shortstop is not a top tier guy, even if it's a, I don't, I'm trying to think of a name. Uh, uh, Miguel Rojas from, from Miami, who's a good player. He's not a Lindor. He's not a, uh, Corey Seager. He's not a Trey Turner, but he's a really good player. You find a guy like that for a please act, then I think you're, you're in a really good spot to compete next year. And then you go out and sign a legit vet arm that can eat innings for you at the back end of your rotation. I, I just hate, I hate the idea of giving up act doesn't bother me about giving him up. That I and you know the Indians have got enough pitching in the minor leagues that they could absorb uh, unloading act for something that they need. But in order for the Indians to really make a transition, they're going to have to do something like trade a Bobby Bradley with that, which I'm not sure I want to do yet. But the whole question about Bobby Bradley is, 
What does that do with Josh Naylor? And then the other situation you've got is Ahmed Rosario, who has played outstanding for the Indians this year at the plate. But as far as him defensively, he's really a liability, and you don't know where you're going to put this guy. I mean, you can't, he can't play center field. He's already proven that. Can he play one of the corner outfield spots? Well, there you go. If he can play left field, then you you have to move Hector Rodriguez or Hector Ramirez, excuse me, over to right field, which then moves Naylor to first base. Well, then what do you do with Bobby Bradley? So it's kind of a catch twenty two with some of these guys. So obviously, you know, I again, I don't want to give up on Bobby Bradley because I think his his potential is so high. But it may be one of those things where the Indians are just going to have to do that, bite the bullet, in order to get what they need in a shortstop. And I'm not looking at anybody that can be a superstar at the shortstop position, much like what we, you know, had over the last five, six years in Francisco Lindor. But I'm looking for a guy that can make the routine plays, the outstanding plays, and bat 250-260 at the plate. That's all I'm looking for from my shortstop position. I tell you, honestly, who, is a, who would be a great fit for the Indians at shortstop? It's Kyle Farmer. Um, Kyle Farmer is that guy, and he's never going to get a shot to play shortstop long-term for the Reds. I honestly, and I don't think the Reds are going to move him because he's very valuable in the fact that he can do a lot of different things yeah. and be your third catcher. But a guy like that that is a le- just a legitimate big leaguer, like he's just... A really solid baseball player. Um, he can, you know, he, he's gonna hit 250-260, gonna hit you 10 to 15 bombs, and he plays a very solid shortstop. He's not flashy, he's not spectacular, but he's just really solid. Um, that's what they need. They've got, like, some guys with some serious upside. They need more solid big league players. That's why, like, when the Reds made the move for Castellanos and Mustakis, I love Castellanos because I think he's one of the best right-hand hitters in baseball, but I loved the signing of Mike Moustakis because he's just a proven, legitimate, big league player. He's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been. He's just a really solid big leaguer. And I like having, that's why I like Tucker Barnhart so much. He's just a really solid player. Like, I like having, give me 10, 12 ball players on my team, and I'll figure it out. The Indians got guys with, that are really specific, and they've got some guys that can hit it, and they've got, but they don't have, they don't have a lot of positional, like positionless guys. They don't have a lot of guys that can do a bunch of different shit for you. Um, like you said, to move Bobby Bradley, you gotta take Josh Naylor out. To move him, you gotta do that. Like, it's, it's not a lot of, it's a lot of if this, then this. It's not a lot of, hey, put him here and let's right. run. Or if, if this doesn't work, I can move this guy to that spot, that spot, that spot, or that spot. Um, it, it, it's, they're just, they're, they're continue to be in just that weird limbo spot, especially from their offensive standpoint. Of who do I play where? Who gets five, six hundred at bats? I mean, you go into next year and the only couple of people you guarantee are getting five, six hundred at bats are Fran Reyes, Jose Ramirez, and I forget the center fielder's name. I can't actually draw on a blank. Yeah, Straw. And that's really the only dudes that you know you want to get five hundred bats. Everybody else is kind of, well, if he hits, or what about the position, or there's questions about just about everybody else on that team. And that makes it really hard to compete all year. And it also makes it really hard on a manager, and as good as Terry Francona is, 
I, I just don't I wouldn't envy that position. Like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be jumping to manage a team where it has that many question marks from an everyday lineup standpoint. Well, it's kind of the managerial position that he gets put in every year, but he seems to enjoy that because he does not like one set lineup all the time. He likes to move guys all over the place, and that's just the way Frank Cohn has always been. You know, I saw this weekend, Blake, and and I had to laugh at it because it just it just proves that uh, in this day of of uh, social media that everybody's got an opinion and they have absolutely no problems printing it, no matter how stupid it is. And the stupidest thing that I saw this weekend was that this Reds team would be in first place over the Milwaukee Brewers if David Bell wasn't the manager. Now, I'm the first one to complain about David Bell's managerial capabilities. And and you've heard me say that. I've often thought that he would be the first manager in baseball to be fired this year, which is kind of funny because no manager has been fired yet this year. But to, to say to to take that back though, to say that David Bell is the reason the Reds aren't in first place right now is really the epitome of stupidity. I mean, there is nobody that could have done anything with this team, especially with the bullpen the way it was laid out. Yeah, that's just Cincinnati sports fans. They're just they're ignorant. Um they don't understand. They think they know more than anybody else, and they just don't. Um, that's complete ignorance. David Bell, while I didn't think ever that he would be the first manager fired, we argued about that a little bit, but I 100% have disagreed with some of the things he's done. Um, and you can second-guess any manager. Um, but... The reason the Reds aren't in first place is the bullpen, period. Yeah. Um, if the Reds' bullpen was middle to top ten in baseball, they would be in first place in, in this, in this division. If you go back, if they don't trade, if they don't, if they re-sign Archie Bradley, they don't trade Rysel Iglesias, if Antone stays healthy, Sims stays healthy, and Lorenzen stays healthy, I think the Reds are in first place. In, in the National League Central. I think they are far and away the most talented team in the National League Central, except for the bullpen. Um, I don't think Milwaukee's lineup is even close. I think their starting pitching is better, but the Reds is good enough, um, especially now that you know, outside of the stinker against the Indians, Castillo's been really good. Gray's been good. Gutierrez has been really good. I mean, theoretically, the Reds could have three guys finish in the top five and fucking and freaking uh in the rookie of the year voting. Um, and Gutierrez, Stevenson, and in India. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just ignorant to say that thing about David Bell. It's all about the bullpen. It's a hundred percent about the bullpen. They have as many blown saves as any body in baseball. I mean, there are. Even since they've been going really good, I mean, I don't know how many times I've texted you, another game the Reds should have won. Like, they, outside of the Indians game lately, they haven't been beat up by anybody. Even the game against Philly where they lost 6-1, to one, it was really tight until late in the game when they gave up some runs out of the bullpen. They were one swing away from tying that game all the way until the eighth inning. Um, so they haven't been beat up by anybody outside of the Padres early in the year, but I just to, to, to lay the fact the Reds are not first place at David Bell's feet is mind-bogglingly stupid. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you because, it, you know, like I said, 
And I texted you the other night, why is Suarez playing shortstop? I mean, come on, Blake. You're in the middle of a pennant race. You're trying to make your way into the playoffs. You've got Kyle Farmer, who you who you have talked about. And I don't care if Farmer is in a slump. He's still hitting better than Suarez is. Well, it's, it's funny, though, that night that you said that Suarez hit a two-run double that was instrumental in them winning the game. Right. Well, um, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. It's just, it's just funny because every time somebody says that about Suarez, he does something and you're like, well, maybe, maybe you give him another week. Maybe you give him a, he does just enough to channelize you to leave him out there. He hits enough home runs. He's still driving and runs at a relatively high clip. Um, I, I agree with you completely. Suarez should not be playing shortstop on this team. Um, and I argued at the beginning of the year that he should have been. Um, I thought it was going to be a good move because offensively, if, if Eugenio Suarez is who he usually is, then, you know, he's one of the better offensive shortstops in baseball. Um, but he just hasn't been that guy this year. So I, I agree with you completely. Um, but Farmer is, was scuffling. And, and to find a way to get Moustakis and Suarez in the game at the same time, you got to do something every once in a while. Um, I, I, I'm more surprised that it wasn't a Moustakis at first and Suarez at third and give Joey the night off, um, which is, I think, what they did when they were in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Joey D. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's that that's helpful. But it, it just – Suarez should not play shortstop on this team. In reality, now Barrera's up. I don't think Kyle Farmer should either. Well, and here's the other thing that I'm seeing a lot of – right now, and that is Joey Votto for National League Most Valuable Player. Blake, I know he's hot. I know what he's done since the All-Star break. I get it. I understand it. I'm happy for him. But the Reds are still in the same place they were today that they were in the All-Star break before Votto got hot. But they wouldn't be had he not gotten hot. Um, See, that that's... Still, when Castellanos went down, they were that that was the start of the free fall. They lost three straight to Milwaukee, um, and then they lost the first game of the next series. And then Votto started his tear, and that is that he is he buoyed them while Castellanos was out, and Winker was scuffling at the same time. He is the reason he, they stayed in the race for sure. Um, I mean, I don't think he should be the National League MVP. But the numbers don't lie. If you're going to talk about Bryce Harper as the National League MVP, which some people are, you have to talk about Joey Votto. The numbers are too similar. You, you know, um, and the Reds' record is better. To to me, the National League most valuable player right now is Tatis. Yeah, he's, uh, to me, he's just missed too much time. I, I agree um, with you. Num- I, no the problem are crazy. there. Yeah. Go no, ahead. No, no problem there. I get it. Yeah. You know, and now he's coming back. He's not going to play shortstop. They've put him in right field. Now, there's another guy, Blake, that he's never played outfield in his career, but the Padres are trying to protect him from getting himself hurt all the time, and they put him in right field. The same thing I'm saying. Why can't the Reds put Stevenson in left? Stevenson and Todd Feast are way different kind of athletes. Maybe. Um, but they're still doing it. Maybe the best athlete in baseball. He, he, Tyler Stevenson looks like Ivan Drago, so um, he is. I mean, I, I agree. I would find a way to get his bat in the lineup a lot more than it is, and if that means left field, that's what that means. 
but it's not it's not an apples to apples comparison for sure. You know, and and I don't know if you heard about this, but Jake Arrieta, who was cut by the Cubs, um, was picked up and sent to the Padres. So Arietta is with the Padres now. Yeah, I mean they uh, they just shut Darvish down again. Um, so that's that's a big reason why they're looking for someone that can eat up innings. Um, I, I don't know that Jake Arietta is the guy though. No, I, I I agree with you. But you know, you talk about an innings eater. He's a guy that can pitch five or six innings for you. You know what? what yeah, but go ahead. I don't know. I just don't know how if if the Padres are going to continue to try to be a, a playoff caliber team, a World Series caliber team, then I don't think Jake Arrieta can be one of your guys. Well, and I don't think he's going to be one of their guys once it comes into the playoffs. But I think he was a good pickup for them uh, just to stave off. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'd like to see the Reds get into that final spot. But I'm just not sure they've got pitching enough to do it. Do I think enough to get into that spot? I don't think it's good enough to compete for a world championship. Right. No, I. Uh, I think it's definitely good enough to get them there, though. I think I just don't think they're going to have enough dudes that can go out and dominate a game the way that a lot of other teams do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I know what you're saying, and I understand it. You know, over the weekend, Blake, it was really interesting. Framil Reyes was thrown out of the game on Friday night for arguing a called third strike that was obviously not a third strike. Uh, Nick Castellanos the other day was thrown out of the game in the first inning for arguing a called third strike. It got me thinking, you know, there's not a lot of arguing by managers anymore on plays in the field, you're seeing more managers arguing now, and players too, because of the replay system, with balls and strikes, and with that superimposed box, they can go right back into the locker room and see where the pitch was previous, and they're seeing that these home plate umpires really have absolutely no idea what a strike zone is. No, it's really, really bad. Umpiring is a professional in the major league. It's gotten really, really, really bad. I watched almost every pitch of the Reds Billy Seaton series. And all three games were really bad. Um and to throw Nick Cassie, I thought he got such a quick hook. Um, whether he deserved to be thrown out or not, it was way too fast. He wasn't that demonstrative. He wasn't MFing him up and down. He you know, it, it was just it seemed like a super quick hook. And then a super quick hook on David Bell right after that. And then later in the same game, um, Tucker Barnhart struck out. Like, and it was, I mean, it was a belt, not belt high, knee high fastball on the inside corner and they didn't call it a strike. I mean, it was a hundred percent a strike. And Tucker hits a two run double in the left, left field or right field that, that kind of breaks the game open and really is the reason the Reds ended up surviving to win that game. And he was out. And right. you look, they have video of Joe Girardi saying, yelling at the the umpire, that's on you. That's on you. And that is blatantly calling the dude out and telling him he changed the, the outcome of a game. And he doesn't get run. I just don't understand. First off, 
professional baseball umpires are the most sensitive people in the world. Oh, they you are. You can't even have a conversation with these dudes. Yeah. That's the part about umpires and referees at every level that drives me nuts. They act like no one else knows anything. They know everything. And 90% of the time, it feels like they're wrong. Like, these guys, the strike zone this weekend was atrocious. I mean, Bulls, five inches outside getting called a strike. I, the first inning of the game yesterday, a ball, I, it was maybe three balls outside, the, outside, and it was called a strike. And, I mean, it wasn't even close. I just don't get it. And they show the overhead view, and, I mean, it's, and the catchers moving a bunch. Like, there's no way to even justify that the strike was stolen. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I, the Indians game on Saturday. Sam Hentges, the only left-handed starter that they've got, uh, started the game. And Blake, the first five pitches that he threw to the leadoff man for Detroit were strikes, and the count was three and two. I, it was it was amazing. I mean, he had the guy. Yeah, he had the guy struck out twice. Actually, three times. He had the guy struck out, and the count goes three and two, and he ends up getting him to ground out to third base. Well, that's the way I had it counted. That was three extra pitches that he threw to get an out. And it, it may, you know, in this day and age of where the, the, the pitch count is so prevalent in the game today, you know, these umpires have got to start calling a strike a strike. I said several years ago, when they were talking about, and here's another thing too, they were talking about shortening the game length. You know, we've got to do this, we've got to do that to shorten the game length. Well, my whole thing was, then call a strike a strike. That's all you've got to do. But, it's not hard. No. And, and, but the other thing is too, Blake, if you've noticed, they put that, that doggone 20-second clock up in every ballpark where the pitcher's got to be on the rubber and ready to throw the next pitch within 20 seconds. Well, what about the guy at the plate? I mean, he can stand outside the batter's box all he wants, adjust his batting gloves, adjust his shoes, do whatever he's got to do, and then when he gets into the batter's box and he thinks the pitcher's throwing it too quick against him, he calls timeout and steps out and the umpire grants it to him. I mean, for crying out loud, people... It's not the pitchers that are causing the games to be so slow. It's the batters, too, and the fact that the umpires can't call a strike a strike. Overall, I honestly, and I'm a baseball guy, and I'm a kind of a still purist, and I don't think the baseball games are too slow. I actually, during the uh, Saturday Phillies-Reds game, I felt like that game was flying. Yeah. Now, part of it was the fact that Matt Moore was, you know, no hitting the Reds into the sixth, and Luis Castillo, short of the one home run he gave up to that point, was dealing as well. But I mean, they were in the the bottom of the fifth inning, an hour and ten minutes in. That is moving. Um, I, and then you go and look at the time on the freaking uh, the Field of Dreams game. It was over four hours. So it's it's. Well, I, I I like baseball, so I'm okay with long baseball games. Um, I think they need to quit worrying about that and start worrying about getting the product on the field right and then, you know, figure that stuff out later. I, I have always been strongly against the idea of computerized strike zone. 
But the more and more I look at it, the more and more I watch these games and see how poorly it's umpired, uh, the more and more I'm like, okay, give me a robot because this isn't even close. Blake, the Field of Dream games, I absolutely loved the opening. Absolutely. Oh my god, yeah. It, I mean, it was so moving, but it was something that Fox could have started at 7.30. Yeah, I mean, that's a typical Fox one-off type of event. You look at the, the, uh, the all-star games and Super Bowls and everything like that. They never start on time. They always start late. Um, it's, it's just the way they go. They, they, it, the production value is fantastic. Kevin Costner was awesome. Having yeah. the players walk out of the corn was yes. great. Um, I, I probably would have just done maybe the starting lineup to make that go a little faster. Um, but you, you know, you gotta give those guys the, the, the opportunity to do that. Cause theoretically they didn't have to, to do that. Um, MLBPA could have said no because it was outside of their normal, you know, um, their normal routine for a baseball game. It, it, but it was so freaking cool, man. But and the rumor has it. Did you hear the rumor who next year is, right? No, who? The rumor is it's Cubs Reds. Oh, that, oh, there you go. Yep. And, and it actually makes a lot of sense too. If you think about the movie, and it's a lot, a lot has to do with the 1919 Black Sox. And who did they, who was the other team on the other side of that World Series? The Reds. Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. I mean, it would make a lot of sense for the next one to be the Reds. Would have been really cool if you could have found a way to make it Reds, White Sox. And, um, and, hey, and have Pete Rose come out of the corn. I see that, and that's, I think that's what I would have done with the corn. I would have had White Sox and Yankee legends come out of the corn. Yeah. I would have had Jeter and Pettit and Clemens oh. and Frank Thomas. And that, I think, would have been way cooler had them come out in their jerseys than the players that came out now. Because that's the whole idea. It's the players that are gone having one more opportunity. I think that would have been so cool. Um, but obviously that, that wasn't going to happen. I, you I, know, getting that many people into, into Iowa, Dyersville, Iowa would have been difficult. I, I just, I loved it. I just thought that they could have started it earlier. Um, and on top of that, keep in mind that Fox also sold an extra 30-second spot in between innings uh, for that game alone, and that's why the game, one of the reasons the game lasted so long. Um, they actually had three and a half minutes of commercials instead of just the normal three. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, for, an, for a nationally televised game, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, we can't get out of it this week's show. A couple of items I want to bring up. Uh, my obligatory John Sadak um, commentary, uh, the Reds television announcer. Um, Blake, the other night he made a comment that I thought was extremely unintelligent and just showed to me that he knew absolutely nothing about what's going on in the world of baseball. He made the comment that the Indians are playing and only a game in front of the lowly Detroit Tigers. And that's a quote. The lowly Detroit Tigers. Blake, since May 9th, I looked this up. Since May 9th, the Reds record is 49 and 40. That's the Reds record since May 9th. 
Since May 9th, the Tigers record is 42-33. and 33. Just six and a half games behind the Reds. Now, tell me how lowly the Detroit Tigers are since May 9th. I, I mean, I agree with you completely, but I also understand the context of his comment. Um, the Tigers traditionally aren't any good. Um, and, you know, I, it's another one of those comparisons. You can compare the schedules all you want, but did they play the same teams? No, they did not. Um, is playing, you know, some of the bad teams in the American League the same as playing who the Reds have played with, you know, probably letting 12 to 15 games against Milwaukee over that time frame. Um, I, I'm not saying it's the same for sure, but I, I kind of understand why he would say it. I, I don't agree because for three years now I've been saying the Tigers are have a chance to be pretty good in the next couple of years. Um, got a lot of talent on that roster, but yeah, he just he's kind of ignorant to what's going on in the baseball world for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What What are the Mets going to do? About Jacob Degrom, um, nothing. I don't think they can do anything. I think they got to keep him shut down and and start looking towards next year. You know, there there comes a time. I'm not saying that they've got to fish or cut bait, but you know, it just seems to me like they just continually stave off the Tommy John surgery. For sure, um, it's, it's time. I've, it's almost to the point where you just have it and move on. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how severe his arm injury is. I know he's thrown with some, some tingling in his arm for a while. Obviously, this, these issues are not brand new. But, yeah, it, it, you either got to shut him down right now for the rest of the year and hope he gets healthy or have the surgery right now and just plan on him not pitching next year. Um, it's It's not... They're not in a position, I don't think, right now to compete for a playoff berth with as good as the Phillies and uh, the Phillies and the and the Mets and the uh, Braves have been of late. Right. Um, I think those two teams are showing that they are definitely better than the Mets. Um, and especially without Jacob Agron, they have no shot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting is Little League Baseball World Series. Did you know that none of the international teams are going to be in it this year? I did not know that. Yeah, they, this year, just for this year, because of the COVID situation, no international teams will be in the Little League World Series. They took the top two teams from each region and brought them in. So there's 36. Now, uh, American teams that are going to be in the World Series from each region and Hamilton, Ohio's got one of them, Blake. That, that team continues to be a contender for the Little League World Series, it feels like, every year. Um, that, that's a great Little League program in Hamilton, for sure. Yeah. Um, it'll be exciting to see. That's always one of my favorite things every year for Little League World Series. Drives me nuts a little bit that it's not real baseball. They play by those Mickey Mouse rules, but I get it, and it, it's just an exciting experience for those kids. Something I really wish I would have had the opportunity to try to do when I was a kid. But we played not whole baseball, not little league. So did did you see the strike call against uh, one of the players on Friday? 
Yeah, you want to talk about major league umpiring, little league umpiring. <laughs> you have got to now, see. I I, it's worse than D3 umpiring. Well, you have got to see the reaction of this kid. I, it's priceless. He, They call it a strike. It was clear over in the left-handed batter's box. And this kid's right-handed. And he steps out of the box, and he looks at his coach, and his mouth is wide open, and he's just like, I can't, what? I can't believe this. And then all of a sudden, he just holds out his hands like, isn't anybody going to say anything to this guy? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That couldn't have been a strike. And it, you, you'll see it on YouTube. It's hilarious. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I look forward to the Little League World Series every year. And this year, the Indians are actually playing the Angels uh, on Sunday in Williamsport. That's so cool, too. That's another one of those one-off games that Major League Baseball does. It's a really good thing. Um, it's a really fun place to be. Williamsport's really cool. Um, I visited there once just to see it. I was on the road that way on a road trip. I don't even remember where we were going, and we pulled in and just saw it. It's so cool. Um, to think about those, those kids' experience, man, it's really a cool thing. Yep. And Todd Frazier's nephew got the game-winning hit for, uh, what, is it Tom's Hills? Is that what it's called? Tom's River, New Jersey. That's it, Tom's River, New Jersey. Yep. Came back from Todd a 3 nothing deficit and won the game 6-3. to Todd Frazier, baby, Little League World Series famous. Best thing he ever done on a baseball field. But I would maybe maybe the home run derby was a little better, but um, yeah, it was pretty cool. None, nonetheless, this, this is going to be fun uh, this next coming week for the Little League World Series, and of course, it's going to be on ESPN. So, Blake, the Indians they've got coming up this week. The Minnesota Twins they'll be in Minnesota on tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, then they're off on Thursday, and then they play the Angels at home uh, on Friday and Saturday, and then they go to Williamsport to play them on Sunday. Uh, the Reds, well, they're in the middle of a pennant race, and they've got a couple of teams coming in this week that they need to make hay on to start getting back in the race. Oh, for sure. I think you got the Cubs and the, and the Marlins coming in um, into your ballpark. you got to expect in seven games. This is one of those weeks where you got to go 5-2. and two. Um, five and two, six and one, or, or it's a disappointment. And I think they very well could do that. Well, we'll talk to you again. But by the way, before I get out of here, I want to, uh, wish congratulations to my son and the producer on Ultimate Sports Talk, Greg Mitchell. He and his wife had my fourth grandchild this morning, Ava Victoria, six pounds, 12 ounces, 20 inches long. Uh, second daughter for him, and the third granddaughter for me. So congratulations to them. Oh, man, anytime you welcome a new kid in the family, it's big time. <laughs> and a lot of hair. I don't know where they got that, but a lot of hair. Anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Blake, we'll talk to you again next Monday night. Sounds good. Go All Reds. Right. All right. Go Tribe. Go Reds. Let's see what we can do over the last six weeks of the season. That's going to do it for tonight. Join us again next Monday night at 7 o'clock here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Until then, for Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good night, everybody.